Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the in and after show. Sorry, Jackie. I know. I just took a big sip of water and then I was like, <laughs> well, I just want to uh, say thank. Welcome to the A and After Show. I'm Lindsay Loveridge, executive editor, and with me, as always, is A and video producer Jackie Jing, and our resident reviewer slash secondary video producer, Mr. AJ Cosplay. Sure, I'll take it. Sure, whatever. Right? Hey. So uh, today we have we have a lot lined up. We're going to be talking about, of course, My Hero Academia, episode 112, which goes into more of Shigaraki's backstory. But we're also going to be talking about the news this week. We've got recent censorship news coming yeah. out of China that I think is kind of interesting to talk about. It's affecting a lot of different areas in entertainment right now. Um, we're talking about the Demon Slayer Studios tax woes, UFO table. Um, that's actually been going on for a little while, but we got the latest, the latest update on that. And because I can't get enough of stuff coming out of the courts, I guess, we're also going to talk about the legal allegations levied at a major figure distributor, Good Smile Company. But before we, oh, and also we've got a great interview today with uh, Beastars voice actor Kaylee McKee about her role as Pina. So, um, so for the news today, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, the current censorship that is coming out of China. The Chinese Communist Party released a, P their PR department released an announcement that online game companies must strictly prohibit boys love content and other quote content that contains false values or illicit materials end quote Chinese officials have deemed boys love and quote effeminate men end quote mm -hmm. as inferior culture that is also in quotes but I'm using my hands now um and are demanding an unequivocal banning of that content. Uh, companies that do not comply will be severely punished. And these new restrictions, honestly, to me, they aren't surprising. We started nope. seeing some elements of this as early as uh, 2018. There was a woman who was arrested in China and received a 10-year prison sentence for distributing boys' love novels. So that was just oh. written homoerotica. Um, I talked with uh, my colleague, Christopher McDonald, and he informed me that pornography as a whole is actually illegal in China. So it wasn't necessarily that that was a boys love material so much as it was pornographic material. And that same year, a uh, Chinese social media platform, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, please correct me if I'm not, uh, Sino Weibo, Weibo, Sino Weibo. Um, they plan to remove uh, what was considered illegal content, including manga and videos with pornographic implications or promoting what violence or related to homosexuality that was also in 2018 but they ended up reversing that decision after public outcry so i don't know this seems like it's it's stemming from multiple different areas it, i mean obviously this is affecting games and that's why we're bringing it up um on here but there's there's actually more at play here as far as the communist parties how they treat uh celebrity status in china as well um, but I guess before I get into that, AJ, Jackie, did you get a chance to read this over? Do you have any thoughts or comments? Um, which, where, which one do we want to start with? The, the Chinese uh, boys yeah. love censorship. Um, I mean, stupid. I mean, like, is there really like anything else to say? I mean, um, that's 
it's just sad that things haven't evolved yet um and that over there and they're still dealing with that but i mean honestly like sometimes i feel like even over here we've evolved so much but we still like haven't evolved enough and then um when you see stuff like that happening in other countries like it's just it just got punchy and cringy and sad you know yeah um, i'm still like hearing that that woman went to jail for 10 years over like you know handing this stuff out like that's just I don't even know how we're saying stuff like that in modern times. Like that's just it, like, honestly, just like shocking on a different level. And um, it's sad. I, th I think like recently I read an article too, that they, um, that over in China, they're like reducing the amount of time people can play video games. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah. It's just, um, it's unfortunate. Like we, we don't realize how blessed we are to live in the United States and we still got our issues over here. So like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I say it can that always be worse with yes it can always be worse I guess um but it's just like it's just it's so sad you know like it, it's like there's no other emotion than that when I hear stuff like that like it's really just it's crushing you know so it feels like it's at least partially in response to the soft power of k-pop though too because k-pop mm -hmm. has gotten very very popular I'm not especially that whole thing with effeminate men or, or yeah. sissy men I think there was a I remember yeah, that... someone uh, translated that it's actually a lot like the wording is not as harsh, but the actual uh, China, the actual way that they say it is supposed to be explicitly harsh towards yeah. like effeminate or sissy men. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh... wow. Being afraid of like effeminate and potentially gay people is uh, interesting, right? China, there's there's so much worse things I feel like I could say about the situation. Yeah. I feel like we could all say, but for the sake of keeping this, uh, you all know what we think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's true. I think, you know, I think we've all, you know, we've all been very this supportive. This isn't a um, divisive thing that we're all going to like d d uh, debate, we'll here. We're debate uh, on. It's like, no, this is awful. China yeah. is has progressively been cracking down on the use of video games and other forms of free creative expression. I think they're at a point right now where you're only allowed to play like three hours of video games a week or something like that. I, yeah, I'd have to double check. It was definitely like more on the weekends and during yeah. weekdays, not, not past 10 p.m. Like I can see where like the kernel of the idea was there for like young people and trying to enforce limited screen time right but yeah. I, and there were some of the other uh issues that have come out have that they're trying to restrict they want less focus on celebrity culture in general and so they're trying to like limit the influence of celebrities and also influence they see it as a threat they do, well they see it as materialistic and so they're trying so yes a threat because they feel like it it is materialistic but on the other hand, it's like, why does why is gender expression getting thrown in there? Like, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> because that because it's just a materialistic fad that distracts from core family values that we really need to. Focus. I'm sorry, I really don't think I should talk more because I'm just going to keep going. Um, Jackie, yeah, I'm no. sorry. No, no. I mean, I I think all of us can sound off on that topic for like a long time. I mean. Obviously, um, China is feeling threatened, you know what I mean, by all these different things, and they just want to have control over all these different things. And um, it's just, it's, it's. I, I just can't even imagine living over there and like living under that oppression. You know what I mean? Like that's 
that's just so, so sad and so disheartening, you know? Um, and I don't really know what can be done. Like, it's not like right. I can, can give like a, I can't be like, well, you know, like here's a resolution. Like, it's just kind of like, that is the way things are over there. And kind of hope for the best for. Yeah. yeah. And I think that their culture is very afraid of change. I mean, I mean, like I'm Chinese, but I'm, you know, don't speak Chinese. I don't speak Mandarin. Um, I don't speak Cantonese. Um, but like, I, I am very, like, I hold a lot of pride and I'm very proud of being Chinese, you know, but, um, you know, I've, I've been over there once. Um, and I know that like Chinese Americans that are over here are really tight lipped about like what happened over there. And, and, you know, like, so for me, all I can say is my experience as an Asian American woman is that like, it's, it's really scary over there, you know, and just hear this stuff is definitely disheartening and it doesn't make me, you know, it just makes me really sad, you know? Mm. So yeah, this is also on a side note here, but like I, I saw Shang, Shang-Chi, which is an absolutely amazing movie. If you haven't seen Shang-Chi, go see it. I've already seen it twice in theaters. And um, I was on another podcast and we were like comparing it to Mulan and just like, Mulan had um, a lot of um, oversight from the Chinese government. Oh, okay. So I just think it was, you know, they were really restrictive about, you know, what, what was okay to put out there and what wasn't. And you could just tell because, like, the storytelling and, and all these other elements just, like, weren't able to blossom or flourish the way that they should have, you know? And but, but you didn't see that in Shang-Chi, though. That was... You've seen it twice, so obviously you really enjoyed that movie. Oh, yeah, Shang-Chi's amazing, but I don't, I, I think that was just like Marvel and yeah. Disney, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I, like, at least to my knowledge, the Chinese government didn't have any involvement. I was actually shocked to hear about Mulan, so like, I'm, this is what I heard in my podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Shang-Chi is absolutely amazing, like, we all haven't seen it, but um Seen it yeah. twice. Saw it oh, you saw it twice too. All right. Yeah. So, Went to the one theater. Out then. Lindsay, like, it's a live it. action anime. I need to it's watch it. It's a live it. action anime. It is. I'll watch it after this podcast. I don't. Yeah, have like literally, it is perfection in a movie. <laughs> it is mine. Like, I think Avengers Endgame is the only one I would put before it, but like, basically, just because, um, you know, I'm an Asian American and like seeing, um, and basically all Asian cast was just like so overwhelming for me. Um, you know, yeah. like for me, it's like my new favorite for sure. It's yeah. my new is it on Disney plus or is it only in theaters? Mm -hmm. I don't, I think you have to go into theater. It's theaters yeah. only. Okay. That one is theaters yeah. only. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess I won't be watching it tonight, but I can still make plans. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then scale said, why couldn't China and North Korea be like South Korea? Like if it could just be that simple, like it's just not like that. You know what I mean? We're talking about like millions of people and, a government that's been in place for a long, long time that is very scary to people. You know what I mean? Like it's the just history also goes back really, really far in that area too. I mean, I was watching um, a documentary on Netflix that talked about um, it was about Japanese samurai, but I was surprised to learn that even in the Sengoku period, Japan tried to invade Korea, and like you know, there's animosity there as well. There's there's different. There's a lot of historical situations that have happened over time that have led to feelings between the different countries with one another and that all plays a part in it as well oh yeah chinese and japanese because of world war ii like there is there is a lot of um resentment and, and yeah. a lot of um unresolved trauma anger a lot of other things like you know what i mean like it, it's 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 not it's still very present you know yeah so. mm -hmm. 
for the for the next new story story I wanted to get into. This is about UFO Table. They are um, a great animation studio. They do really great work. Um, most people might know them as the studio behind Demon Slayer. Uh, this actually started back a couple years ago. The president of the company got caught. Tax evasion. <laughs> Tax evasion. Um, Why does this happen so much in Japan? Like I, I don't like know. I don't know if it happens a lot in Japan or if it just it's just happening in the news or something. Yeah. It, it the, always makes news when it happens. Yes. I don't know and how often it a, happens. Especially when it's a substantial sum of money. So a uh, UFO table, besides being an animation studio, they also have a couple cafes in Japan where you can go and, you know, order off a themed menu from one of their anime properties, get coasters and merchandise there and things like that. I want their and, fate stuff. So yeah. Hard. They have fate stuff there quite often. I guess I said people know them from Demon Slayer, but they also animate the main fate stay night franchise as well. Mm -hmm. And the, the films there. So their president, uh, Hikaru Kondo, he was, Sorry, that was my son probably playing with blocks. Uh, he was kind of holding away some money that was coming out of those cafes in a safe to keep in his house. And it ended up accumulating to being about $4 million US dollars that he was keeping in a safe there um, and not paying taxes on. So that's what he got caught is because he owes 1.25 million in taxes. Um, Interestingly, he wasn't keeping that money in a safe in his house like for himself to like buy things for himself. He was holding on to it in case there was any kind of economic downturn within the studio to like use it as a buffer. And I don't know, he still broke the law, but that makes me a little more sympathetic personally. I mean, you just want to make sure his company made it, you know? So you just you just put a you just put a little four million bucks in a safe and keep it in your closet at home, you know, just just in case. Save it for a rainy day. It's the equivalent of putting like uh stuffing all your money in your mattress yes <laughs> yeah and then the house catches on fire oh no no oh no <laughs> that, that was the thing that i i watched a lot of george lopez uh when i was younger and that was literally something that happened to like his mom she oh, didn't really? believe in banks so she stuffed all her money in her mattress and then her house caught on fire and she I literally had, a, had nothing i had a great grandma like that, that is terrible oh. <laughs> she didn't lose all the money but she also didn't trust banks because she survived the you know the depression but yeah, yeah. that is fair <laughs> i'm a little worried i guess my major concern is that this studio does great um i would hate to see this end up trickling down to negatively affecting the studio as a whole in any way i mean i don't want to worry anyone there hasn't been any news about this like playing any part in the new Demon Slayer season or that stuff's going to get too late. But I mean, I would just I'm keep an eye surprised, on it. I'm a little surprised he felt the need to do that because isn't the studio doing relatively well? Yeah, like, Hasn't it been doing relatively yeah, well? Mugen Train, jeez. Yeah, Mugen Train is the highest grossing anime film of all time. That's right true. Now. That's true, but they don't own like Mugen Train. Like, they, like a lot of anime studios don't get residuals they're just, they're like contractors. They're just paid to produce it. And then the production committee is the one who pulls in the money from that. So unless UFO tables on the production committee for Demon Slayer, they were paid what they were paid and that was probably it. Okay, I think they are that for like the, cause the UFO table does acquire, kind of like Kyoani, they do acquire some of the properties of the stuff they produce. Like I think yeah. they, they do aid in the production of like, like they make the Fate franchise. And I think they do have a more regular hand in that right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know their relationship with Dean Sarah. That is a good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like Kyohani, a lot of the times they're they're adapting 
they don't typically adapt uh, other people's work anymore. Like Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is sort of uh, rare for them. Usually, they they kind of had a system where they had they, they would had acquire contests, the properties and they then... had these contests for people to submit like their story ideas, and then if they liked them, they would then opt those ideas to produce an anime based on it. So they were wholly owning the media franchise as a whole. So that was one of the one of the things they were doing. And they happened to just be pretty dang good about picking, you know, which stories to do. That's what happened with Free, for instance. Um, I actually own, uh, they did that for oh, one of my favorite anime, Chunibyo. You can just submit stories to studios. You can't just, no. You can't just do that. Like, Kiwani held a contest. You should have been doing this like 10 years ago then. Yeah, no, Kiwani had like an official contest that they used to do it through. Unfortunately, that actually played some of a part in the arsonists. um, uh, The Motivations. Motivations was actually kind of related to that contest. They don't have it any, well, for a lot of reasons, but I would be surprised if the contest comes back. Which it will be interesting to see. Like, well, this is I guess, depressing episode, y'all. Like, sorry. Oh, it's gonna get more depressing when we actually talk about the uh the episode the, itself. The episode yeah. itself. But uh, last, yeah, let, let's next story. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. the, last bit, the last bit of news is more like uh what the fuck than really sad in my opinion. So good smile company, people might know them as the distributors for really popular figure lines like Nidoroid, Figma. Um, they also have some other popular like sub lines under them like Max Factory, they distribute Mac- Max Factory figures. Uh, so they sued uh, two former vice presidents because they the, the two vice presidents formed their own company. It was called Imaginary People. They didn't sue them for that, but this is context that you need to make sense. So they're, these two vice presidents, they were gonna step down from some of their roles and start working on their own company called Imaginary People. Good Smile Company thinks that they stole a contract um, with Netflix to run an event that was about Stranger Things, actually. Uh, it was gonna be a Stranger Things drive-in event. Um, according to Good Smile Company, that was like a deal that they were working on and these two vice presidents sort of like rounded it, it themselves and their own company and had the event and Good Smile Company found out and fired them and is suing them for uh, multiple millions. I think it's only like $2 million. I say only, but like when you're dealing with like corporate lawsuits, it's not a lot of money. Um, but they filed their their response, their countersuit. They filed their countersuit at Good Smile Company, accusing them of all sorts of things, some which sound like, hmm, maybe that happened. And others sound like, uh, in my opinion, not possible. One of them is they're accusing Good Smile Company of owning, operating, and financing uh, 4chan, which is just no. No. <laughs> which um, I'm pretty sure, you know, it now Polygon, the website, news website Polygon reported on this. And according to one of their sources, they do give money, like quietly finance some of that website. But uh, I don't think they own it. If they did, it went through like shady backdoor stuff because the last person who bought it was actually um, a Japanese man who was the founder of 2chan. So that's the current owner of 4chan as far oh, as we know. And he, and he bought it in like 2015. So they've accused them of of that, which isn't actually illegal. So I don't know what they expect to come out of that. Um, they're accusing them of a hostile work environment because some of the figures they make are and distribute are risque and feature underage characters, which 
fair, but like that, if that, if they can sue for a toxic work environment because of that, like, so could I, like that just sort of comes with anime at this point. Like you don't have to like it or watch it or be a fan of it. But if you're working in the anime business, like that's, that's some of the product. You can't just like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think about that part of it? Cause I just like, it I feels like a lot of big leaps in logic and mm -hmm. I kind of wish I knew the, re I just had deja vu. I kind of wish I knew the reasoning as to like, like what connects A to B basically um, yeah. with, with regards to that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It feels like I'm missing something. That's kind of all I feel. It feels like I'm missing something before I can give like a full definitive conclusion yeah. on on what I think about the situation. Like, I don't really, it doesn't seem like Good Smile is really doing anything malicious or anything. They also accuse them of tax evasion in California State because they operate out of California. So that might be a thing. They've also accused I them of... buy that then... That's the, one I, that's the one fortune. I'm like, well, yeah, probably. Who yeah, no, is, that, that's probably company true. isn't evading yeah. taxes. But then the other part of it that they accused them of was, um, like, giving priority to uh, their Japanese employees. So, like, when the pandemic hit, they said that they were told to lay off the non-Japanese employees first, which mm. I feel like would be a major, major problem if they can prove that. But it's hard to, like, take those parts seriously when they're leading in with, well they make lewd figures. Like, as far as I know, Good Smile Company actually doesn't make or distribute anything that would be considered pornographic. There yeah. are some risque figures, like, for That's example, just by nature of the characters that yeah. they're making figures of. They're not... Or like, like the little sister from um, No Game, No Life was some one that was given as an example. Like, yeah, okay. Like, that I look at the figure. coveted figure. <laughs> you know, not a fan. Not my favorite thing. But, like... You could still display that and not like really worry too much compared to like other stuff of specifically yeah. of that character that has. You can uh, buy pornographic anime figures. Like that's definitely yeah. a thing. Like those exist if that's what you want. But Good Smile, as far as I know, is not actually involved in like. Their, their brand is a bit more uniform with everything. That was my dog. Hello, Roxy. Come here. No, don't leave. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it very much kind of feels. I don't need a bit more to end. This is Roxy. Hi, Roxy. She's got Hi. bows in her hair. Oh, she's super cute. Roxy, look up. That How is. Many you have? Well, this is my mom's dog, and you've already met Gizmo, who yeah. is. Are they the, they're the same type, aren't they? Gizmo and. Yep, yeah, they're, they're both Shih Tzu. She's one and a half, and. Oh, you know, she's Gizmo's a baby. She's a, she's a spoiled princess. Um, but. Someone make fan art of that. Shout out to that person that made fan art of <laughs> Gizmo that one time. That honestly made my entire week. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, it's it very much feels like legality. Like there's, it feels like there's things behind um, behind closed doors that still haven't fully been spoken about yet. Yeah, and it's kind of a matter of okay, well, if things are so bad, why are we make why are we making these declarations that can't really be proven? Right. You know? Right. So I don't know. We'll just have to kind of wait and see how it yeah. pans out. Yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one to watch. Jackie, did you have any comments before we move on to B stars? Honestly, this is just so confusing. <laughs> yeah. I was all just like, you I look very confused. Details, and I'm like, 
wait, what? You know, like, yeah, all this stuff when it comes to making figurines and merchandise and all that stuff, it's just like, it is so, like, that is like, I don't even want to think about tackling that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I dove into like the actual lawsuit paperwork for a little bit because once I read the articles, I was like, wait, how are they accusing them of running 4chan? So like I had to go through there and like, ah, uh, okay, well, that's not provable. It's like based on a conversation they allegedly had with someone in Japan in the office, like at Good Smile's office in Japan. It's like, yeah. okay, well, that either happened or it didn't, but there doesn't yeah. seem to be any paper trail to suggest that this is like a real thing or not. Okay, so that's moving the news. On, yeah. yeah, moving on, that's the news. Uh, Jackie, I'll let you intro this, but we have an interview now with uh, the voice actress Kaylee McKee. She voices Pina in Beastars, a new character to the second season, who is a very dramatic male sheep. Who, uh, yeah, I he's, said a lot. he's a fuck boy. Like, yes, that I believe that is the question. Yeah. So, I like said that. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I like he was a great character. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that you know when we had Rui kind of leave the school um, to become an underworld mafia boss, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of fulfilled that role of being like the pretty boy who like all the girls really like really well. And um, I do think like, you know, I, I just want us to roll the interview and get right into it. But uh, Kaylee was a fantastic interview um, and, you know, has a very interesting story. And I just wanted to give her mad props for just being so open. But again, I don't want to spoil anything. So we'll just roll the interview. Roll the interview. All right. Roll the clip. Wow. Am I interrupting something? Hey, everybody. I'm Jackie Jing with Anime News Network, and I have a very special guest with me. I'm with Kaylee McKee. Hello, hello. Hello. So excited to have you here. Um, you were the lovely voice actor of Pina from Stars, a character that I absolutely fell in love with. Um, but before we dive in, just tell everyone at home a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a voice artist as well as an illustrator and writer from uh, the Midwest in the middle of Illinois. Oh, um, yeah, I, I had always wanted to do acting. I did it throughout my whole life and I did choir and uh, my love of cartoons and art combined with that. And I decided that I wanted to do voiceover and I, uh, I've been pursuing it for a good couple of years now. Oh, well, um, landing the role of Pina, I'm sure you were blown away. I can't even imagine the emotions that you were feeling. Were you surprised when you were casted or did you feel like, oh no, this is perfect for me. Like this was made for me. <laughs> um, so funny thing with the uh, with the audition is uh, I, I recorded it in like one take and I went, wait, like my trial take, I was like, this is, I think I can really do this character. Aww. I think this sounds really good and I just sent it off. And then I was like, I'm not gonna get my hopes up. You know, you send and forget. And um, the the director is somebody who I had worked with before. And uh, I, I was a little worried because as a trans woman, like, are they going to cast me for a like primary cast boy? Mm -hmm. Or like people going to, are, are directors going to think that that's not something they want to do or something. Mm -hmm. But they did and uh, I was I was really grateful. If I were to become a tasty little snack, for you I'd find that honest. 
Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. You know, we spoke yeah. in some emails earlier and you really wanted to discuss what it was like bringing Pina to life as a transgender woman. Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting because like obviously Pina is described in like the manga in, in this issue back here um, as being <laughs> like, uh, Pina's more feminine than masculine, isn't he? I felt the, the story needed something beautiful and um, I, I thought that I could do that, um, but I was so grateful that they, the, that the director would think that I could do that as well and trust me with that. And, and there's some nuance because like, as, as a woman, you know, I've, I've trained like so hard to uh, move away from certain ways that I used to talk. Um, so then to do somebody who, who is like, has an ethereal quality about them and has some femininity to their character without just like making him sound like a woman was a new challenge to like blend those those different sides that I've that I've had experience with in my life. Um and I was worried that they thought might think that I, you know, am not qualified for it. Um, but we went for it and, uh, people seemed to really like it. I, I was, I've been blown away. All right. I'd like to keep this conversation as friendly as possible. So I'd ask that you stop looking at me like you're eyeing some tasty prey, if that's okay. Your talents speaks volumes i i thought it was perfect like oh uh, thank you uh, you know peanut's such a complex character though like you know you're talking about this elegance and beauty with peanut but i mean like straight up peanut can be an arrogant manipulative carefree fuck boy at the same time you know what i mean oh yeah so, you know i guess tell me how did you channel or what did you channel when you were playing peanut because he is complex without a doubt he is yeah uh I have known some people in my life that have had like this huge ego of like, I am better than everyone. Yeah. But then when, when like, when it comes down like to hands, they, they show uh, some compassion. And, uh, and I, I can't say that I've known somebody exactly like Pina before, <laughs> um, yeah. but I think everybody has sort of a deep desire of just like having an ego that are like letting themselves have an ego that they can just like flaunt into the room. Not necessarily the manipulative portion, um, <laughs> but tackling, like taking a character who has that, like clearly doesn't respect some people's feelings, uh, particularly women that he's involved with. Mm, and true. is clearly not great on that. Yeah. But also he's, he's always stopping trouble. Like he clearly shows that he cares about that. Every time, every time he makes the situation about him, it's right after he's just knocked everybody off kilter when, when there's about to be like a major fight or something really bad. That's when he says, okay, stop this. Now it's all about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like indulge me, but also I'm trying to stop this violence that's about to happen. Um, so it is really like, you don't know what his motivations are other than, I mean, he tells you he wants to live a happy life. 
And maybe maybe he's stopping the violence, the those situations for a selfish reason because he wants things to be peaceful so that he can keep having fun. But uh, it, it was something that I really had to pull from a lot of experience, a lot of, um, you know, the the what they've given you in the manga and really form this idea that I thought that I could sell. Oh my. Scratches that deep can't be cheap to fix. I won't tell if you don't. Yeah, he is this um, strange combination of hedonistic, but also has humanity as well, yeah. you know? Um, when you, so did you read the manga before or after? And like, what did you love about this character when you were reading the manga? So when I did the audition, I I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was after I was cast because I hadn't I had read some of it, but I hadn't read that far. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it's not that far, but um, yeah. I I read it afterward, and just from what I was reading there, um, and what I got from the from the sides that they sent me, I. I'm trying to figure out how to how to phrase it that there yeah. was there's just something about him that I loved uh sort of indulging in um, yeah. and that's very similar for all of B stars um it's like it's this tension of like a coming of age story a classic um but also this kind of like you know when you're a teenager when you're young um, these there's these feelings inside of you. I don't know about the murder part. Um, but they, they, they have all of this tension and like you're not fully developed into adulthood and these yeah. emotions are so strong. And like, I remember feeling emotions that are that, like it felt like I was when in high, it felt like high school was a zoo. And that's what Beastars is. You know, it's taking that and being like, this is real. And there's major tension. Um, and there's some, a lot to do with desire. Um, whether it be good desires or bad desires, what do you let yourself indulge in? What do you need to grow out of and make sure you don't become cer a certain kind of person? Um, and I think wow. that's really compelling. Okay, amazing answers <laughs> here. I'm like blown away right now. Um, I mean, <laughs> Uh, for me with Beastars, I don't know why, I just felt like it somehow was able to touch on so many different topics. Like we see these young animals dealing with discrimination, general teenage awkwardness, and so, like so much more. Like that's just like scratching the surface. Yeah. Why, why do you think this anime is so loved? Um, I mean, I think it does make people a little uncomfortable, right? But people love it and are drawn to it. Yeah, it, it really like, the first time I watched season one, the first time I read the manga, my first reaction was, what is this? <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, but then I was like, but I can't stop. Like, like what, what's going on? I have to know. Like, do, do these carnivores really, like, do all of them really just want to devour these, these herbivores, you know? and and do are their desires that strong that they will just give in how does the society function it's like 
it's like the questions that everybody had watching Zootopia that they just said, no, <laughs> never mind, that's not real. Yeah. But made real into a, into an actual universe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that um, what's so beautiful about the story too is just, it's so it's so open. The characters are are very open and vulnerable. So, yeah. what message do you want viewers to take away from this anime? Like, I think, you know, for me, it just it it is uncomfortable to watch. But I think that it's kind of like something that we all need to do. It's like we need to take a hard look at ourselves and like be like, hey, this is what I'm com uncomfortable with myself and address it. But I don't know. Maybe that's just my interpretation. I, what do you want viewers to take <laughs> away from this? No, I fully agree. It's it's like I was saying about desires and the tension there and like making sure of who you want to be and who you will be and challenging your first instincts. I think that's the major theme of Beastars is challenging your instincts. Humans have an instinct to be defensive. Humans have an instinct to be aggressive in certain situations, especially when they feel like they need to be defensive. Humans have an instinct of, of selfishness just as much as they have an instinct of empathy. And it's, it's about, you know, taking a look at those knee-jerk reactions that you have, especially when you're growing up and you don't know better. Um, but for a lot of adults too, uh, a lot of adults, a lot of people don't get enough guidance on properly addressing those things within themselves. So I think shows like this that say, hey, you have you you have things that you should address, or you may have things you should address. These people are doing it even though it's really hard. They're literally wolves and like and bears who tear things to shreds, trying to live among their what would otherwise be their food you know if they can do that take a look at yourself and see what needs broken down i will not plead with you no sense in waxing poetic any longer wow kaylee i am <laughs> loving this interview you have amazing answers um I, I just want to thank you for doing this interview with us. I think you are certainly a role model for so many. Um, and I wanted to ask you if there is anything that you want to say to people who look up to you. I mean, this is really awesome that, you know, you got this role and uh, you're just yeah. speaking so openly and candidly. Like, we really appreciate it. It makes me really happy that you would say that. And and thank you. Uh, so grateful. And, and to the folks who have messaged me and like saying that I've helped or that they look up to me I, I like I'm not you know I'm not a huge like rolling like steamroller going going through here I'm not like I'm not giant but but the success that I've had in you know getting this getting this work and making space for folks who otherwise don't have the space right now and stepping back and letting somebody else take take that space when it's when it's theirs to take as well i i just want folks to know that that space can be taken and that it should be taken and that you should self-advocate and that you can and that there's a lot of people who want you to not only other talent not only fans but people in the industry 
you know, it's it's been a huge period of growth. People want you to, you know, do your best and and show your skills and your talents and the amazing, unique things that you can do. And you just gotta go for it and you gotta, you know, take the time and, and learn and and move forward and and uh and and join us, you know. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for yeah. being so talented and brave and inspirational. It's been so great chatting with you. Thank you, Kaylee. And uh everybody yeah. watching at home, you can catch Beastars on Netflix right now. If you are not watching it, I don't <laughs> even know what to say. Like, go watch it now. So thanks again, Kaylee. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Bye. I'll be on my way. Please resume your little squabble. See ya. So that was our interview with Kaylee McKee, the voice of Pina from Beastars season two. Jackie, she wanted us to share about an upcoming event that she's holding. Yeah, and I just dropped the link in our chat for everybody, um, but she's holding for queer talent, um, building relationships and self-advocating in the industry. Um, if you'd like to, or okay with putting it in. Oh wait, that was the whole email she was saying to us, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was basically like, hey, if you guys can do a little shout out about this panel, like, please do. Um, I mean, I think as y'all saw, she's incredibly well-spoken um, and just like has a heart of gold. And I would love to hear more from her. So um, if you enjoyed the interview, I, I'm sure that panel is just going to be absolutely fantastic. So I honestly want to pick her brain for like much more than the 15 minutes that I had with her, you know, but um you, she's, she's a great lady. I thought she was great. As yeah. Pina. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So you're caught up now. I'm I'm in, oh, I think the, the link isn't in the chat. Oh, it is. I, I sent it. I see it from, did it not go through? I don't see it in the comments and someone just said, uh, oh, I think YouTube blocked the link. Oh, weird. Okay, let me, let me try. Through, what if I, I do it? Jing, but we can send through Animanians Network. There, yeah. I can send okay. it through. I don't know, maybe I've got special permissions or something. Yeah, okay. maybe it was because I was doing it as Jackie Jing. That's okay. All right, go. so I think um, that might be us getting pretty close to time, so we better get on to our My Hero Academia chat. People have been uh, waiting for it. So, AJ, let's talk about episode 112, the rest of our little guy here's backstory, right? Yep, and to give the quick rundown this is basically wrapping up shigaraki's backstory how last time we found out that his quirk had awakened under intense stress with his kind of abusive father and weird like passive household situation uh he he brutally killed everybody um all of them everyone's gone everyone's all dead. of them killed yeah. his sister his grandparents his mom his dad the dog the dog is what got me. Um, <laughs> uh, screw everybody. It's always a corgi. It's always a corgi. In you know, it's always too. a corgi because corgis are nothing but bottles of pure happiness. Like you truly, want, so truly. You want people to be upset. It's got to be a corgi. Um, yeah. yeah. So then, uh, dude, and I just thought of Cowboy Bebop. And oh, that, I'm sorry. Mine's okay, Angel. <laughs> Mine's okay. Mine's okay. Yeah. Mine's so when, okay. This, when this episode opens, like I, we actually didn't get a ton more from his backstory no, here. It's, it's a lot of what we, we already knew. Yeah, but the right. bit that we get here, I think, kind of highlights a pretty important point to Shigaraki's psyche, which is 
the, no one tried to help him. Which is, yeah, no one helped him when he's walking down the street. He's, again, like five, between five or six years old, walking down the street. He's barefoot, which is already weird. And then his hands are covered in blood. And then his face looks like, you know, how it looks. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people just kind of saw the blood on his hands and the, the disturbing look on his face. They're, They're like, like, I want nothing to do with that. When yeah, that's complete bullshit. That is I'm bullshit. Like, a normal person yeah, would like, be like, like oh like, my God, what like, happened to this child? Yeah, like, this whole section really pissed me off, to be honest, because like, if people are that heartless, like that, like we have a serious issue as a society. And I understand like some people want to distance themselves from that and will, uh, you know, record or something like that, or, you know, whatever, like it happens every once in a while. But like for that, like so many people to just like see him and ignore him, like it literally gutted me. Um, and I'll be honest, like, sorry, I, I know I like, don't like to bring stuff up and then like relate it to my own personal story, but I got into an argument with a friend recently. Um, and she was like, you know, Jackie, you're always standing up for like what's right, even though it can cause conflict and is like you're exacerbating the situation. And she like didn't agree with me doing that. Like we were in a Best Buy and like some guy was yelling at the customer service person and I like kind of like intervened, but didn't like I didn't get hostile or anything. You know, what I mean, I was just like, hey, like the guy's trying to do his job. He can. And my friend was just like, why do you always feel like you need to be the hero and like step in and stuff like that? And I'm like, if nobody's like, you know, steps in, like people get forgotten or walked all over. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like she was literally like, you're looking for trouble and you're putting yourself in conflict and you're, you know, like, and we got in a big argument about it, you know? And I don't want to like, I don't want to knock your friend. Don't know her, don't know her situation, yeah. his or her situation. But IMO people who, from the perspective as the way that you're sharing it, I think, you intervening makes them feel uncomfortable with their lack of courage and then they're lashing out at you because of it just yeah, gonna I say it could also come from a place are of built concern. different right yeah, like i'm definitely built like a bakugo where it's like i say everything i think i you know wear my emotions on my sleeves like sometimes it comes off really abrasive you know what i mean um and that's something i need to work on is maybe like softening things and like but I do, but we got into a big argument because I was just like, people don't like, people are so scared of conflict, so afraid of addressing things that are uncomfortable. And this is what happens. And I literally, I, we were, we were watching this episode. And I was like, you know, you get high, like hyped at me and, and angry with me for, you know, putting myself in harm's way and in conflict. <laughs> and like not knowing when to just like let things be but you never know when like you making that positive comment or you stepping in and doing something is going to literally change someone's life mm -hmm. and this was literally a moment like that you know what yeah. i mean like and it's yeah. like there have been so many times where like i i don't know i don't experience this because i'm the opposite i'm the type of person who always intervenes and almost to a fault like i literally like i'm the type of person like people are getting into a bar fight and i'm like you know i don't go in the middle of them but i'm like don't do this there's no reason for this like you all like you're both gonna go to jail and you're not gonna be happy later you know like i'm and i a lot of people think it's stupid you know <laughs> out of doubt and i and then like i said so sometimes i need to pick my battles but this is like disturbing to me on a different level. Like, I don't, like, I almost, I'll be honest, I almost was like, do you guys believe that this would happen? Cause like, I, yes. I, 
Yes. Really? Yeah. I mean, that might be because we're, I don't know about AJ. Um, no, I think my, we're pretty my... jaded. I don't think I'm as jaded as Lindsay, but oh, I, no. I think I'm a bit more <laughs> yeah, jaded. Lindsay is like on this scale. Like, if we did up. have a scale, it'd be like, Lindsay is the most jaded. I'm probably a bit more in the middle and Jackie just like wants to see the good in everyone. It and is everything. 100% based on my personal experience. I'm sorry that I've gotten the short of an end of the stick enough. That my I'm not saying it's good. bad at all. If anything, I kind of, I definitely sort of see, I, I kind know, of want to have. Lindsay though is like, she mm-hmm. protects herself and protects others because she has that mindset. And my problem sure. is that I protect others but then i don't protect myself at all you know what i mean right and that's why i said like maybe your friend was just concerned that at some point you're going to get hurt by putting yourself in the line of fire all the time you're a bullet is bound to hit you at yeah. some point yeah and, yeah i mean just like uh i bring this up in chat but like just on a very basic level like i i live in suburbia i mean i don't live in a big big city like Los Angeles or AJ lives in New York. So you guys might have more experience with this, but I have visited these much larger cities as part of my work or whatever. And what always disturbs me is that sometimes I'll be with someone else who is used to big city life. And like, they don't acknowledge like homeless people when they ask for money or whatever, you just like are supposed to keep looking forward and keep, I can't do that, man. Like I have to at least say sorry, because I don't carry cash. Like I feel like I have to at least respond in that situation. Or if I do have cash, I usually give it because it's i'm in a position where i'm able to do that you have to acknowledge they're a human being like maybe you don't have cash on you but you're like hey i'm sorry i don't have anything on yeah i apologize apologize if i don't have like i've never smoked but you get hit up for cigarettes even it's like sorry i don't smoke like it's just yeah so i mean i think personal experience leads a lot into it but i have encountered lots 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 of people they might have been, I think more people might do something for a child than they would if he was like an adult, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've also not, maybe not to the extent that Jackie has, but I, I used to at least be one of those people where like, if I was concerned about something, I said, I always said something like, I remember even, well, this is sort of off topic. I was at an airport when COVID first happened and this guy wasn't wearing a mask and everyone was, and there was a woman who was very, very, um, concerned probably because she was immunocompromised and she got in a fight with him and no one like was doing anything. I at least took the opportunity to tell her like, Hey, you did the right thing. Like Aww. just so she didn't feel like alone in line and what was probably yeah. like a scary confrontation. But yeah. yes, I think there are a lot of people who notice things and just don't say anything because they would rather it not turn into a thing or it become the center of a thing. We all see those videos on social media of like fights breaking out and like bath and body works and stuff over confrontations. And you're like, I don't want to be the person to get smacked. I just came here to buy a candle or something. And then I want to go home. Like people don't want to rock the boat a lot of the time. Yeah. But then it does lead, it does lead to people slipping through the cracks in these sorts of situations. Cause yep. And that's been a consistent theme. And, and of all the people that reached out a hand, even Shigaraki says, if someone just reached out a hand and helped me, I don't think I would have ended up like this. And then we get a shot of the one person that tried to help him is arguably the person responsible, partially responsible for putting him in this situation in the first place. Yeah. The only possible person. Yep. Yeah, which is a little convenient. It's a little neat that of all the people that that helped him, it was literally the worst possible person. We also have to like look over the fact like how did he know this kid? 
Like, because yeah. it all seems very calculated on on uh, yeah, all the part, very right? Calculated. I agree with that too. Totally. I don't think it's ever been confirmed that he planned all of this to happen because, and I, I actually hope that's not the case because yeah. that's way, that's a bit too convoluted, even for Shonen standards. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Bleach in like the worst way. Um, but yeah, he basically molds him to be like, hey, you've got a lot of destructive power and you have the potential to be a force of nature. Let go and just do it. I want to see that. Oh, and yeah. um he re Shigaraki remembers that and basically throughout his whole fight with uh with Redestro, he just lets go more and more and his destructive he, power gets he worse. He gets and really worse. scary by the end of this this fight. Like how did you guys feel about the actual like battle itself? Like I thought there was a lot of cutaways from the actual action to be honest, but mm -hmm. I but I still thought like Shigaraki's present uh progression into more and more insane was done pretty well. His laugh is really scary. Oh my god. He, I like the echo effect they did. He went super over. saiyan. He like, yeah. You know, he had his shonen power up. Yeah, yeah. And like his hair color even changed. I was like, oh, not pink, but you know, I'll take it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. Nobody laughed at it. Um, so <laughs> I, laughed, I laughed. I laughed. I appreciate it. Okay, Thank you, guys. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was like, I was blown away. And then he's got like this blood mask going on. Like, yeah. and then I loved how he was like, okay. So th those hands were like his last connection to humanity. I felt in a lot of ways, like it was yeah. like him literally holding on to his family and like, I'm doing this for you guys. Like that was like his last, like, you know, like I, I know that sounds weird. I'm doing this for you guys, but I, I don't know. In some way I felt like he felt guilt about them and, you know, it was just like a way that he paid homage to them in some weird way. So for him to be like, nah, y'all. I don't need you anymore, it. basically. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is a, we are, we are, he's going to be too far gone. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he was he, like, I'm always about redemption and forgiveness. Like, don't even get me started. I wrote essays on so many Black Swordsman forums about why Griffith can be redeemed. I don't want to get into it. I'm a very forgiving person. Oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> I'm one of those, yeah. like, You're one of the Griffiths did nothing wrong. I am. I am. Don't at me. I shouldn't have even admitted that. But like, I was even like for right now for Shigaraki, it's like, you know, he's hitting that Griffith level where it's like a, a you know, past the point of no return almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is really getting bad, you know? So I, I, I don't know. This this was really, it's interesting. I feel like the end of the season has been so great. And I'm just like, why, why didn't they stretch this all out and make the training arc like just a couple episodes? I know I've said it before, but it's just, like, it's just kind of a, dis it's just disappointing. Like this was actually really, really good. And yeah. I would love to see more of him and Redestro fighting. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a, it was a solid episode. And I definitely like him leveling up, him becoming more evil, him, like he, he is like, Definitely, I would say, like getting to gotta cancel Jackie now. No, Steve, no, I can't read that in the middle of my rant here. Anyway, yes, oh, get that. Can we not have that? <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, yeah, I, I agree. He is kind of at the point where it's like, oh, it, it's gonna be too late now, it's gonna be too late, you know. So. Well, the, the reason why he kind of kept his family close to him was because it he tried to he felt comforted by them. 
like like you said that's actually interesting that was kind of his last ties to his past basically it's like okay i did this horrible thing but like i have my family with me still and that kind of keeps me together and remember he suppressed his memories of what happened because he couldn't deal with it now he's remembered it and he's like oh okay I'm ready to move on now, but in like the worst possible way. (laughs) He's literally like leaving the nest basically of his, of his fam, of his family to be his own person in the worst possible way. So it's, it's kind of, and that's, that kind of ties into the fight itself because Redestro, his whole philosophy, and this is expanded upon a bit more in the manga, I feel like. I, this this feels like, I feel like if you're an anime-only watcher, I could see you looking at this episode and being like, wow, that wrapped up a little bit too neatly. And it did. Like, they even introduced, like, Redestro's, like, mecha armor, and I felt like that was on him and off him and, like... Yeah. I mean, it's also quick in the manga, but yeah. I think this would have been a good opportunity to expand it a bit more. The, the idea is that Redestro... Redestro was basically Ray, and uh, Shigaraki kind of sees right through him. He's like, "Oh, you're all about freedom and liberation, but why do you, why are you like restraining yourself so much? Why are you holding yeah. back so much?" Right. Because his power is literally about holding in stress and then releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was raised seemingly from a very young age, like you're going to be the next Destro. You're going to carry on his legacy. You're going to do all of this. He didn't when have they a show him, when they showed him the little in, like suit. The little tie. Yeah. You know Here. who it reminded me of? Young Sheldon. Oh no! No, <laughs> Lindsay, why? Sorry. Uh, I thought I blocked that from my brain. <laughs> I actually, uh, I used to. Reason I'm here. <laughs> quick aside, I used to teach swim classes, and I did straight up have a kid who was like maybe 12 years old, and I don't think he had any friends that were his age. Uh-huh. He wore suits a uh, lot in the swimming pool. Well, no, no, like he didn't, he didn't swim. Um, oh he, he was one of the kids that like really didn't want to swim, okay, but yeah. he would always stand off to the side and he would always wear a suit. He was like 12 years old. And I'm like, that's what immediately made me remember this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you think about it, Redestro never had a chance to be liberated. He never had a chance to yeah. be free. He always had to restrain himself. He always had to like follow in these footsteps and everything. So it was kind of an interesting dichotomy to see and I can kind of under, when you understand that, the turn makes a bit more sense where basically Shigaraki just wipes it. There's still time for the dub to slip in. <laughs> no, no, do not give Sonny straight any ideas because he plays Redestro, because he plays Redestro in the dub. Um, and he would totally do that. Krillin plays this thing. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting that when basically Shigaraki just nukes everything and nearly destroys his body in the process. Um, just tries to cut off his legs so that the, that the de- uh, I feel the like they should have shown that. You didn't really get to see that much in the manga either. It was like, show him cut off his legs. I know well, that sounds if they didn't show it in the manga, there was no way they were going to show it in the anime. I actually yeah. kind of liked the way it was framed here because I, you just bro, kind of... Why did he do that, though? He, like, he took what? a piece of metal and just... Oh, okay. I was a little confused, but okay, I got it. I thought yeah. he, like, him up in a sense or something, but okay, got yeah. it. No, when, when he was flying through, basically, he touched the floor, and Shigaraki's like, uh, what's it called? It's not decomposition, it's uh, decay, decay. His decay, just anything that his decay touches, just gets disintegrated. So he's like, oh, crud, and just cuts off his own legs because it was already traveling up there. 
Yeah. Um, so, so he's trying to cut careful. the infection before it can. Yeah, exactly. Can. It's like cutting off your arm before the poison reaches you know, the rest of your so body. It's interesting, though. So Shigaraki can control the level of decay, though, because remember with Overhaul, he only took off his, his arm, correct? Right. Well, he could always sort of control it, but it was always restricted to what specifically he was touching. Now okay. it's like whatever the things he's touching also touches... It, it spreads basically. So uh, if he's touching the floor and there's a house a block away in front of him, he could potentially destroy that house from where he is because the decay would travel across the floor to the house and everything would fall down. Okay. The downside is it hurts his body in the process. We actually see a quick shot of like his face sort of crack. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, here. yeah. I missed that. It's really a split second kind of thing. I had to go back. That's why I had two screenshots. I had to go back and get it. So it's like, oh, you can't abuse this power, which is kind of interesting as well. Mm -hmm. um, so he also can't like regenerate or anything like that. So. Right. right so. But yeah, Redestro's like, oh, if the whole point of our liberation army is to have people be free of everything, free of rules, free of restrictions, Shigaraki is kind of the, the shining example of that. This is a guy that has freed himself of his past, freed himself of society, freed himself, uh, liberated himself in every sense of the word, mentally, socially, and psychologically. And, uh, and I guess politically, if you want to go that far. Yeah. He's an anarchist. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's like, you can kill me if you want. Don't kill anybody else, but we will follow you, whatever you want to do. Because now, after he decides to do that, we see like him kind of like prostrating himself to him like much, much later. Well, there, yeah. but also I was thinking like at the very end of the episode where he's like rubbing his hands together, really. Yeah. I hated that. I don't know. I didn't like it in the manga either. And I don't I know. I didn't like it either. Yeah. I just like it's a weird Wait, like. Do you Shigaraki? No, no. Uh, Redestro. He's, he's very much basically after this scene he straight up becomes a people pleaser to Shigaraki oh, yeah oh, it's okay. kind of gross we gotta address that yeah. okay like I have some major concerns with this arc when it comes to um, the Metal Liberation Army like mm -hmm. one My Hero Academia in my opinion is, is so good because it has some great villains we already know who my boyfriend is we don't need to talk about him because we know where that's gonna go um, but I mean like overhaul um, one for all. I want to make sure I didn't say that wrong. Wait, did I say it wrong? All for oh, one. God, damn it. Okay. Yeah, no, I do, then, do the same um, thing. I know we all do it. Um, like, and I'm like, gosh, like a bunch of other ones are escaping me. Like, I don't know why those are the only two coming to my head right now. Um, but Dobby. yeah, Dobby, Toga. Tw okay. I could go on and on. But, yeah. um, so I was, everyone was talking about how great these villains were going to be. And this is, again, I know I already brought it up, but we could have, really like heightened the roles of curious skeptic getten um i can't remember the politician guy and they all just they they don't hit like i have no i have no connection with them like right. i don't feel for them and 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 so redestro is extremely powerful and has a motive um that i mean i can kind of vibe with but like we didn't spend enough time with him for me to give up about him. We yeah. definitely didn't get I, like curious. I was all about her and the was dead before. Like I even like was even like starting to get to know her a little bit. So like, I'm really disappointed. I think they did a, a really poor job with these villains and um, then seeing him turn into 
what y'all said. Like the people, a, a groveling like, subordinate. Cherry on top on my disappointment here. Like yeah. at least have him be resentful AF. Um, have like a little bit of dignity, but being like. You know, there's a loss of dignity that that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like have. I'm fine with him following Shigaraki, like you know, because oh, again, like be like, yeah. you know what? I was at, like, I this is how I envisioned it. Sorry, Jackie Jing fan fiction coming in. So, like, he his he has to step down because he knows that Shigaraki is more powerful than him and he wants to do what is best for the Metal Liberation Army. And so, he talks to Skeptic and gets it and brings them all together, and he's like. I care so much about you, you all and our purpose and what we came together for. So I need to like, at this point, just, you know, give respect where respect is due. And I'm not happy about it, but like have a heart to heart with right. him. Sure. The, he's been their leader. He yeah. created an army and yeah. then he's going to pull this. And, like, and I love the fact that Trumpet is basically like, I really don't like seeing him like this. No, <laughs> like at the end of the episode. It's repulsive. He yeah. was the CEO. He was, he, I thought he was badass looking. I thought he had a badass power. It just, this didn't sit right with me at all. Like, I do not like what happened with this. Oh, this Skeptic hates this situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. you see him in the elevate, like, uh, like probably more, Trumpet doesn't but like it. Skeptic, you see the veins in his face. But yeah. They're, they're playful about it. Like, they're like, oh, this isn't very fun. I'm like, nah. No, like be up, be a little bit upset. Be be so quiet and waiting for your time to strike. Don't be like, oh, this is kind of a pain in the ass. Like I don't like the tone here, but like that really bothered me. It definitely my, feels a step too far. I'm fine. This is my biggest think. thing because someone said in the chat um, that really the Metal Liberation Army is just supposed to be a step. It's basically a ladder for the League of Villains to climb, and now they've they've topped that ladder. And they're above it. And now they now they have so all of the resources. Was it was pointless. It was no, just- it wasn't pointless. It it depending on like what you wanted. Like if you if you only care about the League of Villains, there, you're like, oh cool, not- you got they got resources, they got more people, and they, they all got their power-ups. But I but think there like is a way too easily, AJ. Like there was no like with overhaul, he gave them a run for their money. Like Metal Liberation Army just like rolled over and was like, okay. Like that's how it feels like to me. Like Yes, I think this is this is a this image was not totally portrayed well. Like this image, looking at this image is like a very heavy image, and you're like, oh wow, he's bowing down and stuff like that. And then like the tone got messed up with all the jokes later. Like yeah. have him be angry, have him feel disgraced, and be waiting to jump into action. Like wait, I go back like- to Toga though, because I want to talk about Toga too. Oh, okay. Oh, I patch. She's winning. Yeah, yeah. I, 100%. Yeah. I patch. Uh, I do. The things, I was not happy with the, this whole the the tone of this villain of the final like, segment. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no I do agree with you. Cracking jokes after they de- like, when Stain was outed. There's no way that Mofo was cracking jokes and having a good time after being like, I'm a little annoyed. Like he's he's in a straight jacket, ready to freaking go. I'm sure. You know. So anyway, I'm off my. No, it's fine. I, I actually strongly agree with you because, like I said, these two don't like this, but they're going along with it because they're like, oh, it's all for the purposes of their philosophy. I'm you. You mentioned before, like the image of uh, of him bowing down. It's like, oh, that wasn't earned. I'd argue it was earned. I just think that what followed afterwards, it, it's again, it's the lack of dignity. It was, it was the hand rubbing lack of It was the hand like, rubbing. It yeah. was like the, oh, what shall I do for you now, Sir Sugar? Like, yeah, Shigaraki yeah. Shiram tells him, go away. And he's like, right away. And he zips yeah, him like, so what weird. the? Yeah, that was <laughs> You're the leader of an army. 
It's but, whiplash, basically. Yeah, it was total whiplash. I thought it was totally off. I think it yeah. was totally off. Like, it's just like they could have made this so heavy. Like, they could have had. He disappointed his father. He disappointed his family. He disappointed his army. And now he's just gonna be a little, for lack of a better word, like yeah, he was a little bitch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's like, a little bitch. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't like, and that's not how I saw him. Like, yeah, and yeah, I, and, and I think that's like. That's like that would be, honestly it kind of it really bothered me actually it really yeah. bothered. No, I, I agree, and that's kind of like the one. That's kind of like the the one complaint I have about this arc is the fact that the Metal Liberation Army sets itself up as kind of this ideological force, and I like the way that that ideology kind of mirrors and ties into Shigaraki's transformation because this is his arc. This is about him basically leveling up from team rocket villain to no i'm i'm the i'm the mafia boss now i'm i'm the overhaul now um and i like we have a picture of shigaraki's drip at the end though because he totally like fully embraced his oh my god amazing and i love it like completely gets into his mop well you can't see as much i mean he's got like a coat on with yeah he's got like a coat you, you can see a little business. bit of it here he's in the chair he's, he's got, got a, got a game business of thrones, suit. I game of thrones vibes like a hundred yeah. it's like a little cape like with the fur around like yeah. collar he was but definitely you can also see the tone is different between the two groups though because we look over at skeptic and trumpet and they're all they're standing like, very solemnly and then you look at dobby and toga and um twice and everything and they're like we won we're the winners you know totally got like that sort of and twice still there. has his arm broken oh, that's right. i completely forgot that i didn't notice that that's a good detail actually that he's got his arm his, both of his arms and oh, slings oh my gosh yeah i forgot i yeah i didn't even notice that to be honest well that's yeah. why when he was like honoring the clone toga that he got the blood from he that used his funny. mouth to ring the bell he's like oh, that's your, right your <laughs> sacrifice <laughs> will not be in vain it seemed like very twice being silly and like that yeah didn't with me and, and they even brought up like oh i thought you conquered your trauma you seem kind of worse now and it's like well i guess that's what happens when you force trauma to confront itself i'm like I guess that's true. I think it's just an excuse to keep him being quirky because yeah. people like that. Yeah. yeah. Someone pointed out oh, that uh, yeah. even though Toga saw his face for the first time, right? Yeah, we've what? Sorry. Oh, we, no. hadn't his, we hadn't seen Getson's face, right? He was always like a Eskimo. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, oh, he looked really cool. press? I thought he looked really cool. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. But I was like, oh hey. Yeah. Uh someone pointed out that Toga has an eye patch, but she's actually not missing an eye. She's just wearing it. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I mean, you that's know, a me. That's something I would have done. Nothing no. happened to her eye during that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I, know. I was thinking that too. I was like, nothing happened to her eye, right? I no. mean, I'm not going to lie. The drip I is pretty sweet. When you're a female protagonist, like, it's just like, if you are a female antagonist, if you're like a female villain and you got an eye patch, like, that just makes you like 10 times cooler. Like, yeah. you're cool already. Like, Devil Hannah and Kill Bill. Yeah. You're really cool. I love how Spinner is just kind of there, like, "Yep, I did nothing." <laughs> he got, hey, he got to name, he got to name the new group. They did announce their like new merge name, which I'm yeah, fond of. Paranormal, what's the Paranormal Liberation Front? Yeah, yeah. Which I also like the fact that Shigaraki is actually kind of being a bit conniving because he's thinking of a way to like. He's like, "Hey, I know you don't like." me being here but don't worry we're not villains we're, we're still part of that liberating philosophy really i just want to burn everything to the ground but 
But we're all gonna have fun doing it. We're guys. gonna have fun while we do it. I'm gonna give you, and I do like that he got them sushi. He's. I uh, did like that actually too because it was. I mean, someone said they didn't do the original bit in the anime like they did in the manga, but it it shows that like he's negotiating. He he's negotiating and he's thinking about his followers and he's like, you know, they wanted us to get a more a stable source of income so they could enjoy things like. Sushi. Hey, aren't you a rich CEO? So then he's like, hey, don't you have money? <laughs> I could yeah. use some of that money. Um, and we get to see them eat sushi. Yeah. And then when they come in there and tell them they have to get on stage, they're like, no, we're still eating our sushi. Yeah. It's very much like they are now in well, charge. It rubbed me the wrong way. The whole thing was just way No, no, I agree. It's like they're... For me. We just... If anything, if the episode ended with like... Redestro bowing down, and maybe this was the start of the next episode. Maybe the tonal whiplash wouldn't feel yeah, as right. jarring. But you know why they couldn't do that? Because they spent ten episodes. <laughs> yeah, here it off. comes. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. I don't. I I'm gonna go into my full thoughts about this next week. I think this is probably one of the worst paced seasons of the anime. Um, uh, that I mean, you don't even need to write an essay about that. I think I, I will. I I'm already planning it. Um, oh. But, I mean, I, it, it, it is. It, it's been awful. It, people have been disappointed. And honestly, the second half of season four, mm, but at least it started off fire. This is just, it started off, bleh, and then it's like been like, eh, mm, eh. It was like this, like and then it kind of went like this, and now it's like, ah. Uh. <laughs> Jackie, I'm going to take that, like, that sound bite and it's gonna be make it like my ringtone or something. So people are gonna call me. It's just gonna be Jack. Going, eh, uh. I literally said no words, but you knew exactly what I meant. Am I wrong? Yeah. That is exactly yeah. how we all felt yeah. about it. Like the first half, we were like, "What the hell is going on here?" And the second, we we're like, Eck, "Well, not oh, okay, that was cool. Eh. Oh, that was cool. Okay." I do wonder if they had split things up a little bit. I'll let this kind of be our closer, but I do wonder if they had split things up. Uh, not move the Endeavor arc where they would if it would have been a little bit better just in that like I feel like the tail end of it even though you know once we got past the training arc it was heavy like emotionally heavy for the entire second half too like there wasn't really much relief from the backtrack like Endeavor stuff and then the villain backstory stuff so it was just like every week I was like okay trauma time yeah you know? it was yeah, really no. heavy and Naruto which has a lot of filler you know what I mean? But I felt like they always found a good way to um, throw in like a trauma episode. I hate to call it that, but I don't know what else to call it. And then they would do, you know, return back to the main story and then find a way to go to a trauma episode backstory. You know what I mean? Like they, they weaved it in. Um, this, I totally agree with you, Lindsay. Like it was just like back to back to back really sad and then we have this weird tonal shift at the very end here i mean i don't know maybe next week will be better we can i'm assuming next week will be pretty light aj like i'm having a hard time like well, i no, don't know exactly don't know how they can end it i think we're gonna get some anime original stuff for next for at least half yeah for at least half of it because the preview did show you know that they're gonna start getting into the prep for heroes versus this uh, war for the yeah for the war part, but they can't go that far into it because that's got to be no. the whole next season. So I don't know how they're going to pace next episode either. I feel like there's no way to end it. I felt like I thought this was going to be the end. This could have been the last episode. Like honestly, you could have ended this episode last. with just a shot on Hawks or something. Yeah. yeah, he's in the crowd watching yeah. all of this. Yeah, Hawks is there. Like so. you could have ended this episode with just a shot on Hawks and be like. Oh, we're, and then like, 
close it for the season. Yeah, I felt like that would have, you know, been a good setup. Also, you know, for people who stock it out, they'll be like, okay, shit's going to get real again. I better yeah, come we in. We can't be dramatic season. about that because we already technically know timeline-wise what happens after this. That's because true. they reversed the order of everything. That's true. So certain things that could have been dramatic payoffs or good stopping points don't narratively make sense anymore from a dramatic standpoint. Yeah. Uh, again, I'll get more into it next week. Next week, the boys go, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the for based on the preview, it just seems like they're training and prepping while the teachers are basically like, okay, Freaking we know out. where they are. We know what's going on. How mm -hmm. are we going to go about doing this? And then that's it. I'm expecting some kind of monologue to wrap it up. But yeah. But it's yeah. weird. Like, it's weird to end it there. It's weird yeah. to end it on the prep for the battles that are supposed to take next season. Like that's just instead of starting it there, it just feels. Especially since weird. I'm, I know I will bet all the money in my wallet right now that when the next season starts, the very first episode is just going to be more prep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like there's no way they're going to start the war in the. First Although episode. like the footage that they showed in the preview is the lead up footage before attacking. Right. You know? So I mean, it, it was like them I'm just on going the based off of what they've done. All they've always yeah. started every season with like a light filler episode to reintroduce everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. All right. But we'll find that out next year or the year after. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. I'm sure we'll probably find out. I'm next over. The, I'm over the season. I'm over it. I'm, I'm not going to be next week, guys. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to show up for the last episode, and then we'll be moving into Demon Slayer territory and. You know, yeah, so then you guys can enjoy your time without me. Oh, I don't know if that'll be true. Yeah, next week is my last. Next week is my last week with you guys on the podcast, but you're still gonna be around the YouTube channel. Sure, sure. Like I'll, you, my presence will always be around. I mean, I edited that interview that you guys just saw, so That's I'll be true. around. Yeah. Yes. You're one of our main. You're our secondary video producer, as Lindsay said. So I'm like, yeah. come on now, you'll be. Yeah, there. I christened you today. Okay, cool. I and it's recorded. You can't take it back. It's yep. on the internet forever now. Never take it back now. Nope. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who's been showing up. We've got one more episode of My Hero Academia next week, and we'll give you guys, you know, a lowdown of our final final thoughts. Although I think you can probably guess what we're all going to say. Yeah. Um, we also have. Uh, you're going to want to be here on our YouTube channel next week, uh, tentatively next Wednesday, date subject to change, but definitely next week will be the fall trailer watch party where we're going to watch Jackie and I, and we may have a special guest. So, you know, working on that a little bit, but we're going to watch all the trailers for the October shows and hopefully get hype about new stuff. Jackie can get the taste out of her mouth, you know, oh, get stuff over it, over so it. <laughs> all right so i want to thank everyone again for tuning in and we'll see you all next time Bye. Bye. thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.